Beloved, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to um, Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter uh, 7, but actually I want you to be right at Matthew chapter 5, so page uh, 1377, 1378, right around there, and uh, I'd like you to keep your Bibles open. We're going to read the uh, uh, passage, that Matthew 7 passage, a little later in the message, so keep your Bibles open. But uh, we're going to be referring to different things in, um, in that Sermon on the Mount. That's Matthew 5, chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he teaches so many incredible things to his disciples and to the crowds. So if you'd be at uh, right around 1378 there um, and keep your Bibles open. <coughs> Beloved in Jesus Christ, our uh, youth group's theme this year is set free. If the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, verse 36. That theme and that verse go together well with the parable of the wise and foolish builders we find at the tail end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So let me explain that a little bit. That takes a little while to unpack. The, the parable of the wise and foolish builders is a lot like a fork in the road. Before that fork at chapter 5 where Jesus' Sermon on the Mount begins, Jesus, your driver, puts you in the back seat and then he starts teaching you during this three-chapter ride. The car ride slowly begins by Jesus explaining how to be blessed. The Beatitudes, see it there, top of page 1378. He says, people who are poor in spirit, who mourn, who are meek, who hunger for righteousness, these folks will be blessed abundantly more than anyone could ever imagine, a teaching quite the opposite of what today's society teaches. Jesus goes on, merciful people will be shown mercy, pure in heart people will see God, peacemakers will be called children of God, the persecuted get the kingdom of heaven. All these folks will have a reward, a heavenly gift from their heavenly Father. In this life, but especially in the life to come, our gracious Lord God will fill them with more joy and gladness than they ever thought possible. Well, you begin to pick up speed in this car ride. Okay, picture it. Where's Jesus going with all this? Jesus merges the vehicle you are riding in onto the highway. His teaching has just begun. He tells you your life is to be about being a light for the world and salt for the earth. See the heading there, salt and light? Bottom of the page, the purpose of our lives is to do good for the praise of God. Now you start zipping along the highway. Jesus' teaching is in full speed ahead, and he tells you how it is that you can be salt and light in this world. Apparently, it is as simple as obeying the Ten Commandments, God's law. But suddenly, Jesus guns it. 
passing gear. He begins revealing an entirely new, though it was there from the beginning, an entirely new interpretation of what it means to fulfill these Ten Commandments. He takes the commandments one by one in the Sermon on the Mount. Look at the headings on the paragraphs there in chapters 5 and 6. Every mile marker that flies by, Jesus takes another command, gives you the real meaning of it. You shall not murder. We all know that one, but Jesus says even if you're angry with your brother, you're in trouble, or say contemptible words to your brother or sister, you're in danger of the fires of hell. He tells you if you've done something that has made someone angry at you, you need to go reconcile, become friends with that person again. You begin to think, what kind of highway am I on with Jesus? Well, then Jesus switches lanes and subjects. Adultery. You're not supposed to commit adultery. You took vows to forsake all others. You understand that, of course. But Jesus goes zooming along, picking up speed. He says, don't you know what that really means? It's not a command that's looser than what it says, as today's society pretends. It's a command that's tighter than what it says. What it really means is don't even look at someone lustfully because you just committed adultery with that person in your heart. And Jesus goes on like this, roaring down the highway, tightening up every last command God has given. Closing out chapter 5, he tells us he hates divorce, has no patience with lying, says retaliation should be about turning the other cheek, and hatred must be replaced with love, even love for enemies. Then chapter 6, still rocketing along, giving should be done for God's glory, not our own. Follow the headings there. He talks about prayer, and he talks about fasting, and he talks about worry, and he talks about judging in chapter 7, judging others. On and on, he flies down the highway. This is the way I want you to live. This is the person I declared you to be, the person I made you to be. You have freedom now to live this way. I've set you free for all of this. And if I set you free, you will be free indeed to live my way. Set free to follow commands my way. I did that for you at the cross. And then all of a sudden, Jesus' sermon, this car you're in, comes to a screeching halt. Jesus slams on the brakes. You're thrown forward in your seat. Seatbelt catches you. Car stops. Your momentum jerks you back into your seat. Your driver, Jesus, whips his head around, looks you in the eye, and says, All right, which way, which way are you going to go? And only then do you see it. You missed the sign that it was coming. You've been listening so intently to Jesus' teaching, but now you see it plain as day. There's a fork in the road. Your car is sitting right there where the highway splits into two. Which way are you going to go? Jesus repeats the question. Up until now, you haven't really given it much thought. You're with Jesus. He's been teaching you his way, the right way. You've been barreling down the highway, haven't had time to think about it much. Now there's a fork in the road. What are you going to do? It dawns on you at last. Jesus is leaving this fork in the road up to you. He hasn't left you. He's still driving the car. 
But something fascinating has happened. Jesus wants you to steer. Steer the car. I remember years ago, before I learned to drive, one of the things you could do in the 70s, before there were seatbelt laws, was you could sit right next to your dad or your mom, right next to them, and maybe it was a Saturday morning with my dad. I don't know. We did it quite a few times. I'd sit right next to him, little kid, and he'd say, why don't you steer for a little while? There's no one on the streets, early Saturday morning. And so this was so fun. You got to steer. His hands were always right there, of course, in a mysterious way. In this car ride, you have the freedom to do just that, to steer. You've heard and read Jesus' words on these subjects, how he wants you to live. Now it's your responsibility. You have the freedom, set free, having heard those words, to put them into practice in your life, to steer with those words, setting your life's, your heart's direction. So there you sit at the fork in the road. And you know as well as I do that you and I come to these forks a whole lot. We drive up to a lot of forks in the road all the time, every day, throughout the day. Am I going to lie at this fork, or am I going to tell the truth? Am I going to cheat, or am I going to take the test honestly? Going to pry into pornography or have a passion for purity? Going to dig deep roots into my marriage or keep my roots shallow to keep my options open? Am I going to ignore my brother in Christ at church or make things right with him? Every day, we go driving up to forks in the road. We go one way or the other. Jesus says, you know my words. You know my ways. You know my truth. You have been set free to follow me. Which way are you going to go? Will you steer my way, God's way, or won't you? When my son, Grant, and I'm so glad he's here today, when he was 10, he was in an after-school program called Odyssey of the Mind. Explanation. Kids who like to creatively solve problems by doing goofy things. And his team, there they are, made it to the world finals held in Boulder, Colorado. They came in 20th in the world. Pretty cool. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teams. And this father, along with a number of other parents, got to go with. Stayed in the university dorms. Kids had a great time, as you can see. There they are playing poker or something. I don't know. And uh, there's my son. Always got his mouth open, right? See? There again. Now, in our free time, we did some hiking of the nearby Flatiron Mountains. Easy and fun to climb them. And yes, Andrew Vanderlaan, that's your Uncle Steve. Do you believe that? Your Uncle Steve. Yeah. And I don't know who, who this guy is right here. Some tourist, I think. So, yeah, that's a lousy tourist. Now, before you can climb, there's a very long valley path that, that you hike to the base of the mountain that has different uh, loops you can take. And while we were hiking that path, we found a pair of prescription glasses on the ground, found them by a fork in the path. And there was a sign saying, 
which path was for which loop. So we hung the glasses on top of the sign at the fork in the road. We walked on a bit and turned out a guy further up taking pictures of sunflowers, wildflowers. They, they were his glasses. He was wearing his prescription sunglasses. His regular glasses had fallen on the path right by that fork in the road. We told him what we had done. We hung them on the sign. He thanked us up and down. Great. Think about that. We put the glasses right on the sign at the fork in the road. That's what Jesus does for us. Tells us what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live, gives us the commands for living, explains them, puts the glasses on our face right at the fork in the road, and then he gives us the freedom to let us steer. He asks at the fork in the road every time those forks come up, every day, throughout the day, which way are you going to go? Will you steer onto the right path, my path, or won't you? I set you free at the cross for this so you can go my way. Which will it be? Now, Jesus explains this fork in the road with this wonderful parable, a word picture, doesn't he? Chapter 7, verse 24. Bottom of page 1382. Here we go. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. That's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Now we're going to add what we just read there to our fork in the road metaphor or image. Jesus is saying you're at the fork in the road, and the one way is going to lead to the mountains, and the other way is going to lead to the beach. And Jesus says, when we're talking about obeying my commands, you should go with the mountains, never the beach. And now we all have our preferences for vacation, but Jesus is not talking about vacations here at this fork in the road. He's talking about obeying the Lord and hearing the word of God and putting it into practice in our lives. And he says, to do that, you take the fork in the road that leads to the mountains, not the beach, because you've got to build on the rock not the sand. Jesus' word is rock solid, not rolling sand, rock solid. And Jesus says, that's where you need to build, on my word. Take the fork to the mountains, forget the beach. Jesus says, this is how it works. Just like it works for rock and sand. You build on rock, with rock, bedrock as your foundation, and your house is not going to fall. The rains can come, the streams can rise up, the winds can blow, but it will not fall because the rock will not fall. It's rock solid. Jesus says, my teachings, my word, my commands are just like that. You hear them, you build your life around them, my words, and your house, your life will not fall. It will be a strong life because it rests on the teaching of Jesus. Jesus tells us the perfect truth for a rock solid life. Follow my perfect way, he says, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. On the other hand, if you don't build on my word, Jesus says, then it's like you'll be building in the sand, sand castle. Oh, it all looks nice and real pretty, but rain comes, streams rise, wind blows, waves come, and beat against the house, and before you know it, the house 
falls splat. You're not building on the word of God. Anything other than the word of God you build your life on, your life falls flat to the mat, goes splat. So Jesus says, when you get to the fork in the road, and it's a choice between the mountains or the beach, go to the mountains, build on the rock, rest your foundation on Jesus the rock. But you know, the beach looks pretty good. It's pretty. Shimmering sand, beautiful water, it's gorgeous at the beach. That's how the enemy works. Sin and the world and the devil and the old sinful nature, they all make things look really good. If I cheat, that A will look really good on my transcript. If I lie, avoiding the consequences looks really good. If I do the drug, I'm going to feel really good. If I raise my wall of bitterness against that person, drag their name through the mud and give them a piece of my mind, letting that all out will make me feel really good. A lot of times sin looks really good. And then I do it and realize I was really fooled. I was a fool. What looked really good turned out really awful just like the sandcastle on the beach. Oh, it's so cool. Next morning, it's so gone. Tide came in, fell flat to the mat, went splat. That's how it works, beloved. You all know it. Jesus just tells it like it is. Build on the rock, on his word. Take the fork in the road to the mountains. It's what you're set free for. Your life will not fall when you do that. That's reason enough to build on the rock. Need some more? First, these are trustworthy words from Jesus. Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice builds a house that won't fall. Of mine, Jesus says. My words, says Jesus. Words about loving enemies, lust and adultery, lying and giving. These are all Jesus' words. And if you can't trust Jesus, the Son of God, whom can you trust? Jesus is the trustworthy one. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is Jesus is the way to life. Jesus you can trust. Second, these words are not only Jesus' trustworthy words. They are God the Father's trustworthy words. Psalm 62, verse 5. King David writes there, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock, my fortress. I will not be shaken. He's my mighty rock, my refuge. God himself is King David's rock. God the Father, just like God the Son, is the rock. Build on him. You will not be shaken. So God the Son said these words, but God the Father said them first. For Jesus only speaks what his Father gives him to speak. In John 14, verse 24, Jesus himself says, These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. So it's not just Jesus, the rock, the Son of God, who is telling us to obey his commands. It's God the Father, the rock, who is telling us. They're his words. Third, Jesus himself puts his own words into practice. He lived the Sermon on the Mount. John 14, verse 31, Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, The world must learn that I love the Father, and I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. 
Does Jesus himself do what he says we're supposed to do? Does he follow his own rules? The answer is yes, he does. The rock is Jesus. He builds on the rock who is God, and the Son of God does exactly what his Father commands. The Son obeys the Father. Rock builds on rock. Jesus takes his very own Sermon on the Mount to heart, does what it says. So must we. Now, we're not ever going to do it as well as Jesus. We know that. He has the, the freedom to steer up to the fork in the road, and he freely takes the right fork into the mountains every time. He obeyed God's way perfectly because Jesus is God. We're not. In the freedom he won for us at the cross, we mess up. We sometimes face that fork in the road, and in our freedom, we go the wrong way. We go to the beach, to the sand, start building our lives into lousy houses of sand, houses of sin. And soon the rain, the wind, the water turn our lives into a bunch of rubble. Sad, isn't it? Jesus, by his death and resurrection, has set us free to follow his way of love, kindness, joy, peace, and obedience. We're set free at every fork to obey him because of the cross. But you know it. Instead of going to the mountains, God's way, the rock, the sure way, in the freedom won for us at the cross, we mess up, we blow it, we fall into sin repeatedly. Is there good news? Of course. Because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We're forgiven. And God cleans us up when we've been in all that rubble at the beach. When our lives come crashing down because of sin, God cleans us up, brushes the sticky sand off of us, and lovingly asks us again, have you learned? Have you learned yet? Follow my way now. Build on the rock, my word, so that your house will stand sure and solid. God, because of Jesus' work on the cross, lets us start over and over again. He forgives us, cleans us up, and we get to start over. Set free every time. If the Son, Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. And the amazing thing is that as time goes on, isn't this something? The steering, it gets a little easier. We take the right fork more often. Not always, but it starts to be more often because we're in the Word of God, because the Holy Spirit is cleaning us up, sanctifying us, we say, because we're seeing that true freedom is about steering our lives in obedience to God's Word, and that's where the joy is. We start to get a little taste for the joy of following Jesus' Word, and we want more of it. At the next fork, we want more of the joy of obedience. We want more of the joy of loving Him and others because He loved us first. He showed us the way. He paid the price for all the times we mess it up. That's the good news. When you come to the next fork in the road, beloved, and it will be today, no question about it, probably within the next five minutes. Think about that. Remember the good news, that God promises to bless you with peace and joy, with a rock-solid foundation in your life no matter what when you follow his way. Taking the fork to sand and sin is going to lead nowhere good. It will lead to destruction. It may look really good for a while, but it's all wrong. The fork's come every day, throughout the day, friends. But you are set free at every fork. So pull out the map. 
pull out the map. And in the freedom won for you at the cross, head to the rock. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, you set us free by what Jesus did at the cross, and we're set free at every fork so that we can build our lives on the rock who is Jesus. Help us to live his way, to make the right decision at every fork we come to. Will we honor you or, or will we go some other way? Those forks, those decisions came, come at us. They come at us sometimes so fast, Lord God, we can hardly think them through, and, and we do mess up. Thank you that you're always ready to forgive us, brush the sin off of us, and set us in the right direction again. Lord God, these, these forks in the road, we face them every day. We face the ordinary things, like telling the truth and being honest, showing kindness, loving our neighbor, and things like what we will watch on television, on the computer, on our phones, what we will look at, the ordinary, everyday things in our lives. Each one of them, Lord God, a, a fork in the road, reminds us that we are set free to follow Jesus on a path of true joy and peace. And Lord, from the ordinary things in our individual lives to the societal things that are going on right now in our world, in our country, in our state, Lord, you know, in a couple of weeks, in the first week of November, there will be people and proposals before us to vote on. And we know about one of those proposals, number three in particular, it seems so very controversial. A vote for it seems to be a vote that takes us further than Roe v. Wade ever went into a culture of death, Lord. A vote against it seems to be a vote that keeps us striving to be a society that values the sanctity of human life, your gift to us. Lord God, for those of us old enough to vote, that's a very serious fork in the road that faces each of us. Father, you tell us in your word that we are set free at every fork to joyfully obey you, to follow Jesus and to live for his glory and honor. We're set free to take a stand in the ordinary things in our lives and set free to take stand in the bigger things weighing heavily on our nation and our state. Set free by Jesus at every single fork. So, Father in heaven, we pray that you will give us wisdom from your Holy Spirit and give us truth from your word to guide us every time whether it's a tiny thing or a big thing, to guide us in the way we should go. All for Jesus' sake, we pray. Let all God's people said, amen.